Hello and welcome to another edition of Across the States. I'm your host, Matt Fisher, bringing you the premier state policy podcast. And I am joined today by two special guests, Ricky Schlott, freelance journalist and writer. You can see your articles in the New York Post, Reason Magazine, and more. And Andrew Handel, Director of the Education and Workforce Development Task Force at ALEC. Ricky, Andrew, welcome to Across the States. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Doing great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about free speech today. And to kick things off, let's go to you, Ricky. You have spoken passionately about the subject of the freedom of speech, the First Amendment, especially on college campuses. Now, we all care about our freedoms, but what sparked this particular passion for you as someone who writes and covers this subject in the news media? Well, as a current student at NYU and an independent thinker of sorts, I am right in the thick of the free speech controversy on campus pretty much all the time. So I really began speaking out on principle this past year as matters only worsened. And I'm concerned with not just the rise of campus speech codes, but just also this mounting social pressure that I'm seeing to conform to an ideological orthodoxy. And as I see it, the present landscape on college campuses is just ingraining this sort of internalized mechanism of self-censorship. And there's this like social delineation of right think and wrong think that is only clarifying and worsening with time, I think. And all of this is happening throughout our culture, but particularly on campuses, which is super ironic because universities are the very place where open expression and unfettered debate are meant to be happening because that's how we pursue truth. And according to the scientific method and the classical liberal values that have made our civilization what it is, that's how we move forward. So I assume the role of an activist, not just for those who are silenced, but also students who are going along to get along and are never going to be exposed to oppositional viewpoints. So Really, this is harming everyone, and that's why I'm speaking out. That's definitely so important to focus on. Now, as you just said, there is a free speech crisis going on in the United States. And looking at the broader landscape of the country, let's go into detail. What type of infringements are we seeing on the First Amendment of the American people, especially young people, on college campuses? We'll go to you first, Ricky, and then Andrew, you can follow that up. Yeah, well, around the country, we're seeing a rise of everything from oppressive speech codes to bias reporting hotlines that are kind of encouraging a snitch sort of little culture and even discipline for off-campus speech and actions. But I guess there's one important distinction to make because private universities are not beholden to their students' First Amendment rights as independent institutions. But on the other hand, public universities as taxpayer funded entities certainly are. And we're seeing more and more public universities around the country violating student freedoms. But fortunately, these are instances that allow for some legal action. And private or public, these infringements have the effect of stifling viewpoint diversity and disincentivizing individual nuanced thought, which is a tragedy from my vantage point. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education does a really great report every year ranking the free speech codes in various uh, colleges and universities around the country. And, you know, of note there, 75% of conservative-leaning students say that they, at some point, had self-censored themselves when they were at school for fear of how others would react. So that might not be surprising to a whole lot of people, but what might be surprising is 55% of liberal students said the exact same thing. So, you know, I definitely see this as a two-way street, not a one-way street, I think, The specific kinds of infringements that we're seeing can include, um, you know, 
free speech zones, or as I like to call them, speech suppression zones, rather, because um, really that's what they're intended to do. They consist of very small areas of campus. They're away from all the foot traffic, and they're basically designed to prevent a student from adequately expressing their First Amendment rights. And our colleges and universities, I think every American can agree, these are the places where open inquiry is supposed to be fostered, you know, ideas challenged. And I don't really think there's anything uh, more frustrating than seeing the exact opposite happening and, you know, seeing professors pushing their own personal political and social views onto students and then not giving those students any room to breathe in terms of pushing back or challenging. So, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing all kinds of different types of infringements. And yeah. Yeah, I remember there's a Cato Institute poll a few years ago, I think, that 62% of Americans are afraid to share their political views. 62% in the country's first right is what? Freedom of speech. So, Ricky, in April, you covered the recent passage of the Forum Act in Montana for reason. Now, big sky country may not make news every day. Montana doesn't make the front page of the New York Times all that often. But your article highlighted the importance of what happened there in Montana. So, Ricky, what led to the passage of the Forum Act? And then, Andrew, what does it mean for free speech on college campuses? Yeah. So at the time of my writing, I think Montana was the 14th state to pass the Forum Act. And from my understanding, the bill was introduced by Republican Representative Mike Hopkins, and it was precipitated by the University of Montana's School of Journalism, which is obviously a public institution, refusing to sponsor a speech by a controversial sociologist. And the reason I chose to highlight it was because it was a heartening story because the bill passed with broad bipartisan backing and really had the effect of protecting and reaffirming free speech on campuses, which it's sad that that even has to be done. But fortunately, it seems like, at least in Montana, everyone was on board. Yeah, so the, the Forum Act, well, first of all, it stands for Forming Open and Robust University Minds. And as Ricky mentioned, this model has been implemented in well over a dozen different states in some way, shape or form. And it is bipartisan in nature. You know, it just passed in Montana. The Senate voted to pass it unanimously. And the House, there was one Democrat who voted against it. And that was it. So the Forum Act definitely had a lot of great bipartisan support in Montana. And, you know, basically the Forum Act tries to protect students' free speech on college campuses in a couple of different ways. The first thing is making it abundantly clear that students have First Amendment protections in any public outdoor area of campus. So if you want to walk to the quad and you want to talk about a controversial political or social issue, you are protected and you are able to do so. The second thing that it does is ban the use of free speech zones, which I mentioned before, speech suppression zones, because we've been seeing all kinds of colleges around the country using this as a way to suppress speech or to censor and control speech and basically only permit things that, you know, they want their students talking about. And then the third thing is the Forum Act creates a system of accountability. So whenever there's a First Amendment incident on a college campus, that university will have to then report that incident to the legislature on an annual basis so that the public knows that these things are happening. And it also creates a private cause of action for a student who has their First Amendment rights violated. So, you know, there's definitely one of the most successful higher education free speech model policies out there. And, you know, it does a really great job of reaffirming those, those basic fundamental rights for students. That's so good to hear. Now, let's for a moment just play a hypothetical, looking at the impact of the Forum Act in states like Montana. Let's pretend for a moment I am a high school senior, just graduated, looking to attend school in Montana, whether it be Carroll, Montana State, University of Montana, etc. 
What does this now mean for me as a young person who wants to go to college, but is worried about what's happening on college campuses when it comes to free speech? What assurances can they now take in the Forum Act from a personal experience? So I think students can just be assured that their First Amendment rights are going to be protected at that college campus. You know, I'm sure high schoolers all over the country are seeing all of these different incidents. They're seeing student groups being told that they have to push, you know, a particular social theory. They're seeing professors, whether it's right wing or left wing, pushing their own personal political views on students with very little room for pushback. So, you know, I'm sure that definitely has an impact for a lot of students who are reading these things and making their decision on where they want to go for college. And having that extra layer of protection that the Forum Act provides, I think is is really, really important. Yeah. And I would just add that for students at public universities, the act is just a reassurance that your local and state governments on the side of your free speech, even if it feels like administrators or faculty or your fellow students aren't. And I would also say that it probably has a broader benefit because through First Amendment training and just promotion of awareness, it has the effect of being a reminder for the broader community about what is, in my opinion, the most fundamental right we have as American citizens. Definitely. So looking ahead to the future of free speech now, what are some of the remaining challenges and areas that demand attention from lawmakers to preserve the freedom of speech on college campuses? What's the next step? What needs to be done additionally in states where the Forum Act has not yet been passed, in states where it has been passed? Uh, we'll go to you first, Ricky, and then Andrew, you can finish it out. Yeah, well, I'm always covering these issues for reason and also just beginning a fellowship at FIRE that Andrew mentioned before. And I can tell you that there are many, many challenges to free speech that are outstanding. Um, FIRE gets hundreds of complaint letters on literally a monthly basis from students and faculty alike. But one story I recently covered was from the University of Oklahoma, where mandatory diversity training required that community members affirmed the school's political views. And even though Oklahoma had already passed the Forum Act, nonetheless, a public university violated these rights. So I think the biggest challenge will be maintaining accountability and just forging ongoing protections. But I think Forum will have the long-term effect of doing so because it requires schools report to lawmakers on a regular basis about any First Amendment-related issues. But ultimately, problems will always arise. So it's just going to be an ongoing balancing act between holding schools accountable while also maintaining academic freedom and avoiding breathing down the neck of academia. But I really believe that Forum does a good job of balancing these concerns by stepping up where needed while also favoring a more limited government approach. Yeah, I think that the next frontier of First Amendment defense that we're probably going to be seeing more and more of is this issue of compelled speech. And that's exactly what Ricky just mentioned with the University of Oklahoma. That's a perfect example of compelled speech. The university is forcing the students and faculty to adhere and affirm their own personal political beliefs. Now, of course, the University of Oklahoma is a government entity. So it's government telling people how to think and saying you can't think any other way. So, you know, we're starting to see more and more of that throughout academia and just throughout society in general. I mean, both sides are guilty of this. It's critically important that we continue to have diversity of thought and that we can have these, you know, civil discussions amongst one another and, you know, debate ideas. And that simply can't be achieved by forcing the other side to comply to you know, your own way of thinking. And, you know, the beautiful part of all this to wrap it all up is that the freedom of speech through writers like you, Ricky, and through getting the word out there, Andrew, the freedom of speech is protecting the freedom of speech ultimately in the United States of America. Thank you both for coming on today. 
Ricky, if I understand correctly, you'll be joining us in Salt Lake City for the ALEC annual meeting. Is that correct? That's correct. And I'll be speaking there. I'm very excited about it. So yeah, I'll be seeing everyone soon. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. Me as well. Ricky, Andrew, thank you again for coming on to Across the States. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another edition of Across the States. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. Be sure to tune in again next time for more of the premier state policy podcast. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council. The ALEC annual meeting is almost here, and time is running out to sign up. This July 28th through the 30th, join the American Legislative Exchange Council in beautiful Salt Lake City for our 48th annual meeting. To register, go to alec.org backslash meetings. We'll see you in Utah.